We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Final hour of the show, 301-230-0980. Big game in college hoops tonight, and this is where college hoops finally now gets out of the shadow of the National Football League in the month of February and March. And, of course, locally for Maryland, it's good to have themselves back in the middle of some of these matchups here as Kevin Willard in his first year in the Big Ten, maybe even, uh, I don't want to say has the Terps ahead of schedule because now in college basketball, it's a year-to-year deal. That's it. That's all we're talking about in college hoops. You're not looking down the road three, four years anymore. It's year-to-year, and he's done a – Hell of a job with the uh, Maryland Terrapins and what's a very short roster. Preview that one coming up tonight as well as talking about the rest of local hoops. Our man Patrick Stevens. Mr. Stevens, good morning, sir. How are you, Pete? Well, you and I were both up around 1 a.m. because I texted you last <laughs> night saying, hey, I saw your tweet from six minutes ago. <laughs> so, um, you know, burning that, uh, that late night oil. But, I mean, what better time of year? Uh, as things really start to get down to the nitty-gritty. And, you know, Patrick, just in the the global view uh, of the entire college basketball landscape, by now we've usually had maybe three or four teams that have separated themselves. And we and we go, the national champion is going to come from one of these four or five teams. I'm not sure that's the case right now in college basketball. We've got a lot of candidates uh, as we head toward March, do we not? Yeah, I, I do think that at this point, if we were trying to, to line up a bracket, we would say that Alabama, Houston, and Purdue have, have probably separated themselves in terms of overall profile. And, and I certainly think Houston is a team that, that I would trust maybe more than anybody to be able to make such a you know make a great run. In part because they've done it the last couple of years, in part because their defense is is just something that something to behold, as, as you and I got to do at the Veterans Classic back in November. Uh, but ultimately, there are a lot of teams uh, when you're sitting there kind of looking at teams that might be in that three, four, five seed range that have a credible chance to be able to get on a run. I mean, so much of it is can, can you get shots to fall? Uh, so much of it is what are the matchups? And at this point, uh, it, it's hard to kind of count teams out because there isn't anybody that's just simply a juggernaut at the top that you know night in and night out is is going to be like, for example, one of those Villanova teams from a few years ago where you thought, well, it's going to take a it's going to take an A plus effort to be able to knock this team off. You might be able to do it, but it's going to be hard. Uh, I think you can see vulnerabilities in just about any team if you look closely enough. Maybe less so with Houston than some others, uh, but ultimately, I agree with you. There, there's a there's a lot of possibilities out there, and that should make for a pretty exciting tournament next month. In terms of the the matchup tonight, Terps are thirteen and one in their own building. That represents a sign of, um, I think, good things for Kevin Willard. More importantly, Patrick, I think more and more people are starting to come back to the arena uh, as well. And if this game tonight on the marquee doesn't get you back to the arena, uh, I don't know what will. The ironic thing is, despite Purdue's recent potholes they found, they're still up by two games. 
in the Big mm-hmm. Ten. And what what's amazing though, Patrick, if you look at you look in their rearview mirror, I mean, there are nine teams probably still with a legitimate chance to to maybe uh, finish in the top four uh, in that league with uh, a few regular season games remaining, which is why this is such a giant game for Maryland uh, t- tonight to, to make some more headway in the standings. Yeah, this is an opportunity for a true high-end victory. I mean, you look at what Maryland's been able to do, and you reference that their ability to defend the home court. They have a couple nice neutral site victories from earlier in the season, but they haven't done a whole lot on the road. I mean, their road victories are against Louisville, who's awful, and Minnesota, who isn't that much better. So, uh, you know, basically this is the chance to get a high-end victory since you're probably not going to get it on the road. I mean, they do have a couple more road games left that are of some interest, uh, including that trip to Penn State, but nothing against some of the higher-tier teams in the, in the Big Ten. And so this is their best shot aside from the Big Ten tournament. And the truth of the matter is, is, if you're Maryland, you have to feel decent about your chances, in part because you gave Purdue a decent run the first time around at Mackey Arena. And, you know, the score is a little bit um, not reflective of how the game unfolded. It was a 58-55 loss. They spotted Purdue a big lead early and then had to scrap their way back into it. But, you know, they were able to play a game where, okay, Zach Eady got his. Uh, Julian Reese had a decent day, didn't rebound great against the seven foot four guy. Uh, but overall, you know, they, they kind of won the rest of the matchups in that game. And so I think that's kind of the blueprint for them to deal with Purdue. And, and when you look at what Purdue's done, they have not been a true juggernaut away from home this year. Now that's not to knock them in any way for winning all the games that they have, but obviously lost their last two road games to Northwestern and Indiana beat Michigan by five on the road, beat Michigan State by one on the road, one by two at Ohio State, granted before the Buckeyes fell apart, uh, and also went to overtime to win it at Nebraska. So this is not a team that has just been completely unstoppable uh, away from West Lafayette. Now, on the flip side of things, you've got to figure that this is probably going to be a pretty cranky Purdue team coming in, coming off of that loss to Northwestern, a game that they no doubt thought that they should have won and created even more separation for themselves in the Big Ten. Yeah, and I think the other thing, too, and you mentioned, obviously, Edie's going to get his cause just because of how talented he's become and, and, and give Matt and his staff a lot of credit for really polishing his game. Uh, a guy that has not played basketball all that long in the grand scheme mm-hmm. of things, um, his footwork and his, his ability around the basket has is, is just grown exponentially year by year here. But to me, the key is is Foster Lawyer. I mean, he has been so up and down here of late, uh, you know, in this recent stretch. Obviously, I had two points, was one of six against Northwestern uh, in that loss, that comeback by Northwestern uh, the other night. To me, that's the guy Maryland has to keep from having a big game. He can't be a guy that goes out there and drains, you know, six threes like he did against Nebraska or four like he did against Purdue uh, earlier uh, this year. To me, Maryland has to keep him in check, just like they did last time. They kept him from being a real factor in the game in the first meeting as well. Yeah, I mean, I think that if if you ask Kevin Willard if he would sign up for Fletcher Lawyer having 33 minutes, 7 points, 3 of 9 from the floor, 1 of 4 from 3, 4 assists and a turnover, I think he takes that right now. Uh, But I also think you kind of touch on uh, kind of a point of what is – Purdue's vulnerability, and they're leaning on these freshman guards who are really good, him and Braden Smith, 
but they're still freshman guards, and, and you don't know when the, you know if there's going to be a situation where the moment's too big, or if there's the proverbial freshman wall and the guy just kind of has a rough game out there. Uh, you know, I think that's maybe the big concern about Purdue over the long haul is, is the backcourt going to be able to hold up and sustain things all the way through? And here, you know, in this particular game, you have Fletcher Lawyer and Braden Smith going up against guys, uh, you know, like a, like a Jameer Young and a Hakeem Hart. You figure Hakeem Hart's probably going to get an interesting defensive assignment tonight. Uh, you know, those are veteran guys. You know, those are fourth-year guys at the college level. Uh, and, and you got to believe that there's a little bit of that extra experience advantage going there for Maryland. You know, does it outweigh what Edie is going to be able to do? I mean, he just sort of, like we were saying a moment ago, you almost have to accept that he's going to get his 20 and 15 or so tonight and try to limit the damage elsewhere. How has Kevin Willard gotten this team to 17 and 8 right now and potentially with a win tonight, 9 and 6 uh, in the Big Ten? It, it's a really good question. And, you know, I, I thought that they're – ceiling for the year coming in was going to be about 20 wins. And I, I think, first of all, they've had some guys in reserve. Uh, Ian Martinez has taken a, a step forward. I think they've gotten a lot of mileage out of Patrick Emelian, uh, the St. Francis Brooklyn transfer, who just knows what he's supposed to do and has proven to be such a valuable front court reserve. I think Jameer Young's game has translated well to the Big Ten level, probably a little bit better than I anticipated after he started Charlotte for the last few years. You know, Julian Reese, once healthy, has gotten a bit better. They've gotten steady play, maybe not always spectacular, but steady from Dante Scott. And Hakeem Hart has been super, super valuable for them this season. I think that that, that between um, just some of those guys maybe being a little bit better than anticipated and also – being able to you know to work the defense as well as they have. I mean, I think about you know the zone press that they they worked. You know, press uh, up until uh, you know you know not quite a three quarter court press, uh, but then basically floating back into into a zone, kind of switching defenses a lot. They're they're a bear to deal with in, on that front, and they've played really smart defense throughout the season. And so, you know, the amazing thing about them is is you sit there and watch and like if, if they could just make a few outside shots, they'd be really, really good. And and that's the big thing that's been missing all season for them basically since about Thanksgiving or so. Uh, but defensively has been the thing that has really been able to carry them. And an interesting number when you look at their Kempom page is that opponents average possession length is eighteen point nine seconds and on a thirty second shot clock that is a lot. The only, there's, there's only one team in all of Division One that is forcing opponents into longer possessions. So, you know, that's something I think that's really helped Maryland out. You know, people talk about the pressure, but what it's really done is more than anything else. It's not like a, a press when you think about like a traditional, like uh, the Nolan Richardson Arkansas teams and stuff like that. It's something that slows people down. It's something that makes people think. It's something that forces the shot clock to run a lot more and they've been able to get a lot of mileage out of that this season. I was going to say, you watch a lot of games and talk to a lot of coaches, you know this. That shot that comes with two seconds or one second on the shot clock is a lot different than the shot that comes with sure 10 is. seconds or 11 seconds left uh, on the shot clock. We're talking with Patrick Stevens previewing Maryland and Purdue coming up tonight. The fact that, you know, look, I mean, obviously the Turgeon era ended with a thud and in a way that you – you don't wish on any coach, and you don't wish on any program uh, with the way that that divorce went. Uh, I've, I've always been an unabashed Kevin Willard fan. 
Uh, I'm, I'm in the Kevin Willard, Mick Cronin camp, and I know those two guys are good friends. Uh, you know, I love both of those guys, and I would have been happy, you know, if you could attract any kind of a coach like that. Uh, thoughts on the job that, that Kevin has done overall and the fit that he has seemingly become because you know, Patrick, fit not only with players but with coaches means so much in this particular sport right now. I, I would agree with you wholeheartedly. I, I think that, you know, when, when you think about Amer- the Maryland fan base, what do you think about? You think about a mix of New York, Jersey, Philly, D.C., right, Baltimore. Like that's sort of those and, – and Kevin Willard is, is somebody out of that camp. Like Kevin Willard is a New Yorker. And, you know, he's not the, he's not the Gary Williams boulder on the shoulder, you know, like just – fighting and scrapping like that but there but there's a brand an offshoot of that it's a variation of that that he's just kind of uh, a new york wise guy in some ways uh in a lot of ways really and I, I think that culturally he's a really good match for maryland you know when he was going off and complaining about the scheduling earlier this season that felt like the sort of thing that, that meshed really well with kind of what the Maryland ethos is. And, you know, for, for, you know, whatever you think of Mark Turgeon, and and I thought that he probably got criticized a little more than he should have, because it's really hard to have the floor that he basically had at Maryland's right. Like to be in the mix for the tournament year in and year out is not as easy as it looks, but that having been said, you know, he was a Midwestern guy and is a Midwestern guy through and through and probably just it just was not the right match of fan base and coach from the start. So you know, I think on that front, Kevin Willard has done a fabulous job. You've obviously seen a fair number of coaching adjustments throughout the year. I, I thought that uh, go back to that Illinois game at the beginning of December and the way that he basically frazzled the Illini with, with their defensive look, that was a really good sign. And I think the fact that when you look at what they've done this season, has there been a single game that you looked at and, and said, how in the world did they lose this one? And, and there hasn't been. You know, they've lost a bunch of road games. You're not going to sit there and say, oh, gosh, why did you lose by five at Michigan State? Why did you lose at Rutgers? I mean, you could sit there and certainly say, how did you get blown out by 35 against Michigan? And some of it was that basically Willard flew the white flag after a really awful first half. And they obviously didn't play very well against UCLA at home, but UCLA is really good too. So I, I kind of look at it as, as this is a team that has done what it's supposed to do, and, and maybe stolen a couple that it should. It's almost like a it's almost like a good goalie in lacrosse or hockey. I mean, that's kind of the the, the Maryland profile right now is, is that they've they've done what they're supposed to do, picked off a couple extra, and, and suddenly find themselves. I wouldn't say in, entirely safe at this point, but in really really good shape for a postseason berth that, that I don't see, I don't think a lot of people saw coming. What do we make of this Northwestern run here of late that Chris Collins has his team on? Well, I, it's funny. I was talking to somebody about them earlier. Like if you had looked at their profile two weeks ago, you would have said, well, they've, they've got a fair bit of work to do. And in the last two weeks, they've done a lot of work. They've won at Wisconsin. They've basically put the nail in the coffin for Ohio State. Uh, and then picked off Purdue and Indiana back to back, and suddenly their profile looks exceptional. Uh, you know that's a team that has you know swept Indiana. They beat Illinois. Uh, they've played really well away from home. I think they're six and two in in games on the road this season. 
And, and so that's the thing I think maybe more than anything that stands out. And it has nothing to do with these last two games against Purdue and Indiana, uh, that they have been a really good road team to this point. And, and they're going to need to continue to be since three of their last four after Sunday's game against Iowa uh, are going to be away from Evanston. But, uh, you know, I think, too, one of the things you have to look at with them is, you know, and the rest of the Big Ten, like who are the really good guards in the Big Ten? You know, it's it's a more frontcourt-oriented league this year. Even a guy like Jalen Pickett at Penn State is basically playing out of the post at this point. And Northwestern has Boo Booey and Chase Audige, who it feels like have been playing in Evanston, uh, you know, since before Chris Collins got there <laughs> at this point. It feels like they've been there that long. And so you've got two veteran guards, and that's really kind of driving the driving the ship for them at this point, driving the bus for them, is, is that they just simply have – a veteran backcourt that has been there and has done that and is out to really leave some sort of an accomplishment after, uh, after a few lean years in Evanston. Uh, and I think that's the thing that stands out about them as much as anything is, is that they just have older guards in a league that probably doesn't have as great a backcourt play as you would think it would have. Let's talk uh, about a couple of other teams locally here. You were at GW last night. Uh, for George Mason and George Washington. Colonials with two electric scores for most of the season, and yet of late here, it's now five of six in the loss column for the Colonials, who are at one point five and two uh, in the Atlantic 10. What has changed uh, for them in this stretch? Uh, the one win was an exciting 107-105 uh, win versus Richmond, but what has happened here with the Colonials of late that have really spoiled what was developing into a, a nice season in the Atlantic 10 in, in Chris Caputo's first year? Well, they, they have found themselves with these really extended scoring droughts. And they are a team that, that they're not going to win a game in the 50s or probably not in the 60s either. Like, they're a team that's going to just have to go out and beat you 79-73 or something like that. They, they had an extended scoring drought against St. Louis uh, a few weeks back. They had one against Duquesne where they, they went from down two to down 30 uh, in a blink of an eye, basically, they they, they basically were, were scoreless for 10 minutes in that game. And then last night, they, they went 12 minutes between a basket, 12 and a half minutes or so between baskets in the first half. And they were fortunate to still find themselves in the game before Mason was able to put it away late. Uh, and I think that's part of it, that you, you're leaning on only a handful of guys. I mean, you look at last night an eight-man rotation, and one of those guys only played three and a half minutes. And so there have been a lot of minutes piled up for Brendan Adams and James Bishop and Maximus Edwards. And part of the reason is that they really don't have much of a choice but to just keep trotting those guys out heavy minutes because that that's how they're going to win is by those guys having big games. And, and if, if only one of them is particularly efficient on the offensive end, and, and Bishop had 23 points on 9-19 and 19 shooting last night, he, and he didn't take a ton of threes. So that wasn't – it wasn't a James Bishop problem last night. Uh, you know, Brendan Adams was 0-5 from 3-4-12 overall. Max Edwards was 3-9. and I mean, Basically, they need those guys to all play well. And now it's February, and it's late, and, you know, there's a lot of miles on those tires for, for the entire season. So I think, I think there's a little bit of an exhaustion factor there. And I think, too, for that particular game – George Mason having gotten themselves into kind of a run and gun, you know, lack of defense sort of game the first time around in Fairfax was dead set and determined to avoid that sort of situation, played one of their better defensive games that, that they've had under Kim English and were able to come away with that victory. Yeah, Josh Adore with a big game last night. I think that's going to be – maybe I'm maybe I'm looking at it wrong, I, I, but 
Patrick, I see that, and, and maybe this is a year in college basketball where it's going to be like this. I think the conference tournaments in a lot of places are going to be silly competitive. Uh, and, and I think the Atlantic 10, uh, because it's a league that's got 932 teams, uh, <laughs> is going to be that in, indeed, especially that middle bunch, man. There is not a whole lot separating from me, Duquesne, maybe down to to maybe Rhode Island and UMass. I don't know. But, I mean, I, I think that middle group, man, that, that there's going to be some interesting basketball uh, in that conference tournament. I do believe maybe at now, and it's taken St. Louis a little while uh, to get there, but I think that top four in the Atlantic 10 is maybe branched out and separated itself a little bit uh, from the rest of the group. Agree or disagree? Yeah, I, I, I think I think the thing is is that you, you, you feel that way about certain teams for a game or two, and then it's like, oh gosh, you know, uh, what, what just happened to these guys? Uh, you know, Duquesne is a team. I, I would say there's a kind of a, a top five that I like. And I haven't had the chance to see Duquesne in person a few weeks back at GW. Came away really, really impressed with that team with Day Day Grant. Uh, Keith Dambrot has had a nice resurgence this season, leading them back. You know, Fordham has been rock solid pretty much from start to finish this year. And, and you know, the funny thing is, is those top three, the top three teams are, are kind of what you expected in VCU, Dayton, and St. Louis, but none of them have been quite as consistent as you would have thought they were going to be. VCU probably more consistent than the other two, but, but Dayton had some injury issues and couldn't get themselves on track. But now they've beaten VCU and St. Louis back-to-back, and there's a chance for them to get hot here heading into the postseason and maybe be that team that winds up atop the A-10 like everybody thought. You know, St. Louis certainly has – as good a point guard as you're going to find in Yuri Collins, uh, but they have not been great here over the last couple of weeks. They've gotten to 15 and six, and then they lost at Fordham, lost to VCU, lost at Dayton, uh, and they have VCU and Dayton the last week of the season. The, the net effect of all of this in that league is that for the first time in a long, long while, it is almost certainly going to be a one bid league, which is going to make that conference tournament, as you alluded to, up in Brooklyn to just be complete chaos, especially since that tournament usually finds a way to have the one seed knocked off well before the conference final. Uh, and, and so it, it feels like this could be a year where you have, that, you know, that surprise team is going to really, you know, be a bit of a, even more of a spoiler, not so much to some poor at-large team in a, in a power conference, but just to the VCUs and Dayton's of the world, the, the chaos of the A-10 tournament is something to keep an eye out for. On the way out the door, I want to touch on a couple of the other locals here briefly. Obviously, Navy and American, uh, very much part of the Patriot League uh, picture. Mids have won five in a row, second place by themselves right now with a tiebreaker over Lehigh. And Mike Brennan's club has certainly played some very good basketball this year, beat Navy the first time around. And meanwhile, over at Bird Gymnasium, you look at the MEAC and, and Kenny Blakeney and Howard, Patrick, playing some terrific basketball in a MEAC that has been better. It's been deeper uh, this mm-hmm. season, certainly amongst its uh, top teams there. Uh, I think it's an exciting postseason coming up for potentially for several local basketball teams here. Yeah, if you're Navy, you, you're not just happy that you finally you shook off that, that stretch in early January where you simply couldn't score enough. But the way that Navy wins, and, and this goes for any service academy, as you well know, is your seniors play well. And when you look at what Navy's been able to do of late, Daniel Deaver has played really well. 
Tyler Nelson has played really well. Christian Jones has had a breakout senior year and has played pretty well. Sean Yoder has been playing pretty well of late. Patrick Dorsey has been playing pretty well of late. And so that, to me, has to be as encouraging as anything about what Navy is doing. You know, they close with Loyola, American, and Colgate. That Colgate game uh, could well be a a preview of this year's title game. It, It was last year's title game. Uh, and I think if you're Navy, if you can get the next two, you set yourself up pretty well to probably be the two seed in that situation uh, and get yourself into a spot where, you know, maybe you get that one last shot at Colgate on the last, you know, in the, in the conference title game. American is a team that, God, they look so good early on in the season. And, and things just haven't been right basically since they got whole. I mean, they, they, they had all these injuries early on. And once they got the full strength, things have been a struggle. But they've also done some weird things. Like they beat Colgate at home, ending a, a long winning streak for the Raiders in Patriot League play. And they, you know, and surrounding that is two losses to Bucknell, who's in last place. And so, yeah, I think that American with guys like Johnny O'Neill, uh, Colin Smalls is healthy now, Elijah Stevens, a really good point guard, Matt Rogers is much improved. You know, they have the pieces to do some things. Uh, but they do need to snap out of the funk that they're in right now. They they were 12 and three. They've lost eight of their last 11. So time is kind of running out on them uh, to be able to get themselves situated right going into the conference tournament. And then, as you mentioned, Howard on a roll right now. They've won eight in a row. They took out Maryland Eastern Shore on Monday night to get to eight and one in the MEAC. Uh, they go on the road for the next four. So there's certainly some question there uh, as to how well they hold up. But that having been said. You know, they, they have a lot of impressive pieces. And the thing is, the thing that stood out watching them against Eastern Shore, they basically have two lines. They have a starting five and then a second five that comes in. And basically, if they can break even with that second five, which is what they did for a good chunk of the night Monday, they are in really good shape. I mean, Shy Odom's one of the best freshmen in the MEAC. Elijah Hawkins, really just an incredible orchestrator of that offense. Steve Settle is kind of a unicorn at 6'10", 180 with guard skills. Jelani Williams, the veteran from Penn uh, has just been rock solid for them. And the Maryland transfer Marcus Dockery starting to play pretty well as well. So a lot to like about Howard. They've won eight games in conference play in back-to-back seasons for the first time since 2001, 2002, and 2003. Uh, and they uh, are at the Baltimore schools this week against Coppin and Morgan state on Saturday and Monday, really a team that if they can simply take care of the ball better are going to be in really, really good shape once that conference tournament arrives in Norfolk next month. Patrick, appreciate you as always, pal. Nobody better this time of year uh, to talk about the sport of college basketball, particularly locally. Appreciate the time this morning as always, pal. Awesome, Pete. You take care. You too. Patrick Stevens joining us. He, of course, can be followed on Twitter at Discourse. Just put a one instead of the I and uh, follow him. Guys like him and Mook Washington, they are all over the local college basketball scene nobody sees more games than those two guys. Their information is accurate as well as anybody that covers local college basketball. Come back with more 301-230-0980. couple of moments to fit in a couple of late calls if you want to get in here. Dumb Dumb of the Day coming up in about 20 minutes as well on an Eric Bieniemy interview Thursday on the Team 980, streaming live for free on the Odyssey app. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... Two more. Two more. 
You deserve this ice cold reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Another interesting college basketball note. Chris Beard, the Texas coach, was fired earlier this year. Well, the charges surrounding him being fired, the person does not want to prosecute, so those charges are going to be dropped. It'll be interesting to see if Chris gets back in and how soon he gets back in uh, to the coaching profession. Rodney Terry's done a hell of a job at Texas. Uh, in the interim, and I hope Rodney gets the job. Rodney been a longtime lieutenant in the games, also been a head coach out of Fresno State, uh, and he's done a great job with his Texas team this year under the circumstances uh, surrounding that club. You heard Patrick talk about Texas or Houston. Saw them there earlier this year. Their their second best player arguably is a young kid from our area, uh, up I eighty three, right at the Maryland Pennsylvania line. Uh, Jarris Walker. He's been uh, fantastic for them. They're on the road tonight. Uh, at SMU. That Maryland-Purdue game tips at 630, uh, and you get it tonight right here on the Team 980. Uh, so make sure you tune in to Johnny Holiday and Chris Naki. Naki, one of the best analysts in all of college basketball. Always thought Chris uh, easily, and I don't know how much he tried, if, if at all, but Chris Naki should be on somebody's network doing college basketball every night. Chris does a great job. He's in that. Uh, they, he do the same level of work as uh, I love Fran Frischella and Robbie Hummel. I think they're the two best uh, at it right now, and uh, Chris deserves to be doing games on TV when the Terps uh, aren't playing out there. I think Chris does a tremendous job uh, breaking down the game. Uh, Old Dominion and James Madison with their rematch coming up tonight, that game out there at the Atlantic uh, Union Bank Center out at Harrisonburg. They met just a couple of weeks ago. Our Scott Jackson was on the call uh, for that game down in uh, Norfolk when they played each other. So uh, some good uh, matchups uh, coming up tonight, but obviously that Maryland-Purdue game highlights it. And, again, gets underway at 6.30 here on the Team 980. Uh, you know, we were we were listening uh, yesterday, uh, obviously, to a lot of our sister station, WIP, as we were up uh, at, in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, just north of Philly. And, you know, A, and rightfully so, they still, you can understand, they still can't let go of the call. They still can't let go of the hold that cost Jalen Hurts a chance to – uh, have a chance to at least answer uh, in the final moments of that game uh, and get, either get a go-ahead touchdown or a game-tying field goal, robbed of that drama. But what's also interesting is they are all in. They are now all in. There's no questions asked uh, about Jalen Hurts. All in. All in as their leader. All in as uh, a big-time quarterback. I mean, it, it's damn near unanimous. I mean, uh, that's the if you if you'd have taken the conversations that were happening at the beginning of the season with the Eagles and about Hurts and even around the league, 
And if there is a player in the league this year, maybe this is a, a, a topic for another day with Russell when he gets back next week, is, you know, players that, I mean, Jalen Hurts may have changed the narrative about his game and him more than any player in the National Football League this year. Now, of course, you know, again, those of us that saw him in college believed in him. I picked Philadelphia to win the Super Bowl this year, uh, and obviously they at least got to the game and got beat by uh, a terrific team. You know, there's no shame in losing to Kansas City. But to to see Hurts, you know, change any, any you know, narratives out there about him where that he couldn't play consistently at this level, affect the game, uh, the use of the package by Sirianni and Steichen using the skill set that Jalen Hurts has. But the thing that always has impressed me about Jalen is his calm in the storm, man. You know, uh, he, he, he'd he be the captain on that boat out in the uh, middle of the Atlantic while the sea, or the uh, the Alaskan Sea or the Bering Sea that's getting ready to flip over while they're trying to, you know, get fish and lobster and all that stuff out there. And he's just, he's just cool as a cucumber behind the wheel, man. That's what I appreciate about Jalen Hurts more than anything. I mean, every, a lot of quarterbacks have physical skills. I mean, you don't you don't get the you, you don't get signed at this level and get a paycheck unless you got some skills. But it, it's do you match the package of the intangibles and leadership, and can you stay calm when the going gets tough? Jalen Hurts does that. Jalen Hurts does that, and, and certainly it's going to be more difficult years ahead than this one, uh, where his team was so dominant. Uh, in a lot of games, that there weren't a lot of moments where, you know, you had to see his play down the stretch elevate uh, to a to a, a super high level in the clutch because they didn't have to play in, you know, only a handful of clutch moments as the season uh, went along. But it, it's that ability, man, to just stay cool, stay calm uh, when the going gets rough that I think I appreciate the most about uh, Jalen Hurts. And uh, the people in Philadelphia have taken him. Uh, without question, and, and I think that's where you know Dallas with Dak, certainly now the Eagles with Hurts, and I think there would be a lot of people coming into the season. There's no doubt Dak Prescott was at the top of that quarterback list in the NFC East, and I think exiting the season, I think 80 percent, if you put it out to a vote, I think 80 percent would have Hurts uh, at the top of that list right now uh, in the division. Certainly after the season that he had. And right now, recency bias certainly would play into that. I understand that. But I think right now, if you ask somebody to choose a quarterback in this division, there's no doubt Hurts goes uh, number one with, almost unanimously uh, with people, uh, I think, around football and uh, people that watch this division on a consistent basis. Just been a fantastic season for him. And now, obviously, look, let's face it. Can he come back and do it again next year? There's no question. That's the challenge now. Does he do it next year? Does he do it the year after? Does Philadelphia? I mean, everybody thinks Philadelphia's going to be around here for a while. Uh, I don't. I don't think we all doubt that one bit. You know, they've got the draft picks to replace the free agents who are probably going to end up leaving because they're going to get a little more money uh, in some other places uh, than Philadelphia might be able to afford. Again, they're going to have to make room for a Hertz contract uh, coming up here uh, as well. But that team is built to stick around uh, for a while here. Uh, as long as Howie Roseman doesn't, uh, you know, get a bust on one of those picks, they've got plenty of picks. They've got plenty of flexibility, and uh, as the as the years go by, they're now the target. It was the Cowboys. Now it's the Eagles that you got to get to uh, in the NFC East. And again, as we saw with the quality of the division, everybody 500 or better 
uh, so far this year. We, I don't think that quality is going to go away. Uh, I think rosters are good enough. I think the Giants are going to have to, you know, they've improved the defense. They've got a couple of legitimate pass rushers. They're certainly going to be looking to be more explosive on offense and add some pieces there. Uh, I think the NFC East uh, is going to be fun to watch in the offseason. Let's see who does what to revamp their clubs uh, because I thought all four exited uh, the 2022 season uh, in a really good spot, and it's great to see the division back uh, to what some of us have seen it uh, at one point uh, where everybody was rock solid uh, in the division. Let's take a look at what's trending one more time. All right, basketball tonight, Maryland and Purdue coming to you live right here on the Team 980 and, of course, streaming live for free on the Odyssey app. That is a 6.30 start tonight in College Park. You know what that means traffic-wise. Get your butt around the Beltway and uh, down Route 1 in plenty of time. Also locally tonight, Delaware is at Hofstra. James Madison is hosting Old Dominion in that rivalry in the Commonwealth as well. Meanwhile, Brandon Gauden, the new TV voice of the Atlanta Braves. We've had a lot of TV movement uh, this year in Major League Baseball. Brandon, excellent play-by-play guy, uh, has been able to do multiple sports through the years. You've heard him on a lot of Big Ten games, ironically enough, on the Big Ten Network. He'll be the new TV voice of the Atlanta Braves. And the Cleveland Cavaliers reportedly discussing a buyout with Kevin Love and Joe Mazzulla. Uh, They get rid of the interim tag. He'll be the head coach, the 19th in the history of the famed Boston Celtics. He's done a hell of a job so far with them as the top team in the Eastern Conference. That's a look at what's trending on the Team 980, streaming live for free on the Odyssey app. I love my guy, G from the shop. He says, the critics say G from the shop is a bad interview. <laughs> my man. Um, props to Joe Missoula. Um, For those of you that may not know, and, and my guy Marcus Helton, who does a great job with the grassroots coverage in the area in basketball, uh, brought up an excellent point. And it reminds me of kids like, you know, my son who's been is in coaching and has been at the D2 level over the past four seasons. You know, at one point, Joe Mazzula is rolling around trying to get dudes to come out to Glenville State out in West Virginia. Today he got named the head coach of the Boston Celtics. <laughs> the Boston Celtics. No, not the Atlanta Celtics AAU team. The Boston Celtics. I mean, let that sink in, man. That People don't understand the grind of basketball coaching. And, you know, at one point you're trying to get dudes to come out to Glenville. Now you're the head coach of the Boston freaking Celtics. Way to go, Joe Mazzula. You are the man. Uh, that's a that's a big time. That's a, and, look, you, you hate the circumstances surrounding how he got the job. We always, you know, you know same thing with my guy Rodney Terry at Texas. You, you hope. You don't, you don't hope it's under terrible circumstances that they have to take over. But, you know, both Joe and Rodney have done tremendous jobs uh, in the face of chaos so far this year. Been a lot of fun to watch. Time now for your favorite part of the show, ladies and gentlemen. You know what it is. It's time for Dumb Dumb of the Day on Russell and Medhurst. Well, we know newspapers don't print the way they used to. Some of our favorite papers virtually don't exist anymore in the form that they used to. But, you know, when people when people go to a movie, when people go to a restaurant, 
and they do, you know, reporting and reviews and stuff like that. You know, I'm sure we can get, you know, you can get Alan Lapore on the phone. If you're a restaurant, you want Russell, me, and Matt to come out there and rate your food, do a review on the air, we can work something out. Just call our sales department. We'll make it happen. Let's rock. That's right. But stories like this, this is when it goes a little bit too far. Don't invite the critic if you don't like what the critic might say, right? A German ballet director has had to issue a public apology for smearing dog feces on the face of a newspaper critic whose reviews he had taken exception to. No. Yes. Marco Gecki, suspended from his post as the ballet chief at the Hanover State Opera following the weekend incident. And the theater's management called on him to apologize comprehensively and explain himself. Why would you wipe feces on a human being? According to the day. This guy stinks. I can't read the name of this newspaper without laughing. According to the Daily... See, Frankfurt is a city in Germany. That would be okay. But according to the Daily Frankfurter Algemeen Zeitung... What? Yeah, that's what I said, Robert. Gecki approached the dance critic, Wipke Wister during the interval of a premiere at the Opera House on Saturday and asked what she was doing there. The newspaper said that Gecki apparently felt provoked by a recent review she wrote of a production he staged in the Netherlands, threatened to ban her from the ballet, and accused her of being responsible for people canceling season tickets in Hanover. Boy, if that's the case, Dan Snyder would have smeared feces over all of us in this town. He then pulled out a paper bag with the feces and smeared her face with the contents. First of all, why does a man have a bag of feces with him anyway? Matt, do you carry a bag of feces with you when you go on the Metro as a preventive measure to keep people away from you? No, and that's actually probably the most important question we should be asking about this entire story. Absolutely. Is he walking his dog and just forgot to throw it out? I'm sure that's what he'd say. He said, I would like to publicly apologize sincerely to all concerned, first and foremost to Ms. Huster, for my absolutely unacceptable act. In retrospect, I am clearly aware that this was a disgraceful act in the heat of the moment and an overreaction. Well, guess what, Holmes? If you're in performance and you can't handle a critic every now and then, you probably don't belong in the position that you're in. Okay? Because when Ron Rivera was going 7-9 and nine and 7-8-1 and, and 8-8-1, eight, eight, and guess what Ron Rivera wasn't doing? He wasn't, he wasn't smearing feces in reporters' faces out in Ashburn because he's a better man than that. Today he's talking to Eric Bieniemy and hopefully hiring an offensive coordinator. But because of this despicable act, there is no doubt Mr. Gicky. You, by far, are the dumb-dumb of the day. Congratulations. You're Chris's dumb-dumb of the day. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I'd never have walked around with a bag of feces uh, in my hand. The closest thing of, of that I've had is years ago, like when I was like 19, we were gelding a horse. 
And when it was all over with, I was left holding the bag. It wasn't quite a bag. And I said, okay, well, what do I do with those now? They're just, everybody's looking at me. I'm like, well, what do I do with them now? I just throw them over there. The birds will get them. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's I, – I just I, – I don't know what makes people tick, man. I don't know what makes people tick. I will say this. Um, I bet you it'll be a while before uh, she comes back to review any more of his ballet performances. So It's just uh, such an extreme reaction. Yes. Yes. I, I'm so mad at you, I'm going to wipe feces on you. You know, I mean, imagine when a team doesn't perform well, Matt, if the general manager or owner did that to the, you know, to the media for writing, you know, game stories each night about how they're losing and how people aren't coming to uh, the performances, there'd be a lot of reporters that have had, you know, feces on their face through the years. Thankfully, cooler heads prevail. That's what happens on this show. Cooler heads prevail at all times. Burgundy and gold today is coming up next. Can't wait to see at the Annapolis Touchdown Club event tonight. Coach Loxley, Coach Newberry from Maryland and Navy, Talia Tungavailoa, John Marshall going to be there as well. Going to be a great night to celebrate the sport of football. I'll see you over in Annapolis coming up tonight at the Double Tree. Until tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock for Matt, I'm Pete. We'll talk to you tomorrow morning right here on the Team 980, streaming live for free on the Odyssey app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.